Castian Saya is out of time, out of options, and out of luck as he makes his way off Lamoret as the convergence continues overhead. Castian, you're at the center of a maze. You don't know how you got into this maze, but you know that it was a long journey, a dangerous journey, and you know that you are being pursued. How many entry points are there? How many exits? There's three entry points, and you know you have three pursuers. Castian looks left and winces as the shadows seem to get darker that way, and then he looks to the one on the right, and he kind of blinks as it's almost too bright. He can't see because there's too much light facing him. And then down in the middle, it's just emptiness, a void. Nothing's in front of him. And with a heavy breath, he makes a decision, stepping forward. And as you step forward, you hear something. A beeping sound. A so communicator. Loud. But it's it's not your communicator. It's coming from beyond the maze. And there are voices. Some from your pursuers. But one from an old friend. Jaron, a ship has landed. Dr. Garten, what are you saying? A ship has defied the landing authority and has flown through the conjunction and has landed at the airstrip. We don't have an identification on it, but you may wish to vacate the facility. Castian opens his eyes and tries to sit up as now the alarm bells in his head have shaken away all of the streamlike haze that was covering his mind. Castian, you're free to sit up, but your hands are bound. Castian shimmies his way to a sitting position, squinting towards the two rebels at the foot of his bed. Jaron was just on his communicator, and he's holstering it back at his waist. Come on, he says to his companion. We must go. Uh, What's going on? Who is it? Jaron looks over at you. We don't know. That's exciting to hear. And Castian sits up in the bed, stumbles a little bit before looking around towards Lala. Whoever was foolish enough to land during the conjunction is not someone you wish to meet on your own. Agreed. Let's go. We need to go now. Lala, it's always a pleasure to see you. Um, Please take care of Benji and thank you for the help. Before you go, she goes back to that curio shelf of hers and she pulls out a crystal and she brings it to you and she puts it in your hand. And as you touch it, you feel warmth. And for the next hour or so, your strain is all the way back at full. I'm assuming this is more of a temporary solution? It will only last for a limited amount of time without me able to continue to imbue it with some limited healing, but it should help the strain that you're under. For a day, maybe two. Castian, like, squints at her, trying to read to see if there's any selfish reasons, if she's trying to poison him. That's what Castian is. But he just sees concern and worry. And finally, his expression crumbles a little bit and he takes a step forward, lowering his voice. I don't know how long you'll be safe here. There's not many Jedi left for the Empire to find, so they're expanding their search to witches. And the rumor that you exist on this planet is enough that would warrant an investigator one day. You need to find somewhere where no one knows of your powers. No one. She shakes her head. This is the only home that I have. Fine, then this will be your grave. You'll have a nice headstone next to my parents. And Castian turns away, annoyed, before looking towards the rebels. I'm going to give you a point of corruption for intimidating poor Lala that way. And the way he views it is he's trying to kick her in the butt to say, like, you're going to die here. 
but I'll take it. This is it's not a nice thing for Cassian to do. So he turns away in a huff, and he's stomping towards the rebels, and he holds up his binders. I would move faster if you let me go. And what are the odds that as you are moving faster, there would also be a blaster in one of our backs? I don't use blasters. I find blades much more appealing. You will walk in the front of us and you will not slow us down. Fine. Throw the coat at least over my hand so people don't know that you're transporting a prisoner. The woman, she takes off her security jacket and she puts it over your hands. So are my hands bound in front of me or behind me? In front. Um, that probably is better, too. Because it, it, it does it does make it a little easier for you to move. And, yeah, we're off. Are we taking a speeder? I don't know how long it took us to get here. Well, I was unconscious when you we got here. You were unconscious. So I walk out and kind of try to get my bearings. Where's the starport? Where's your transport? Our transport is on the edge of the jungle. Half a kilometer. Let's get moving immediately. And, and if you get a hold of Anami, try to get her to tell you what ship landed. He's already shaking his head. The conjunction is almost at its peak. She barely got the communication through as it is. Of course it's at its peak, because this damn world doesn't just rotate at a fast pace. Castian's stomping angrily towards wherever they push him. Yes. It takes a good 15, 20 minutes pushing through the jungle underbrush before you reach essentially the beach again. Uh, the beach, of course, being a couple of miles long. Like in the distance, if you squint a little bit, you can see the lights of where uh, Dr. Gartan's medical clinic is. So you know that you were within sight of, of her this, basically this entire time. But there is a small speeder with just enough room for three people. Cassian stops for a second and looks towards the rebels. I want a data pad before I get into this thing. Why? Because I need to leave a note for Anami. I need her to deliver a note to my friend, Jane, to tell her not to look for me. Unless you want my friends to look for me. I don't want them to come looking for me because I made a deal with you. The two rebels exchange a look. Or I can make this really complicated for you and delay you as much as possible. Jaron gives you a data pad. Castian sits down and she starts quickly typing. Just do not look for me. I'm fine. Uh, I'm leaving for a while. Ba and during this entire time, he's trying to put a, a simple cipher in it, just saying rebels found me. So it's a little bit more gushy and she's not going to understand why it's so emotional. Like, I'll never forget that time on Rhodia. Give me a skullduggery check. Difficulty what? Average. One success. All right. You have encoded it. It's not very good. But it's a code, at least. Yes. So Casting quickly writes something, sets it on his lap, and he's just waiting. And the speeder takes off in the night. Under any other circumstances, it would be a lovely night on Lamared. As you look up, of course, you can see the planets coming together in the conjunction, forming almost one very bright spot in the sky. But it is also a clear night, so there are stars. You see the moon of Lamared beautiful, peaceful night as the speeder just skims along the sandy shore. As you're gazing at the night sky, somewhat distracted, maybe it's another side effect of whatever it is that Lala gave you or just of your incredible injuries and, and illness that you're dealing with, you don't realize until it happens as the, the woman who is piloting the speeder, she hits the brakes suddenly. She does it with enough finesse that because she rolled a triumph and an advantage that you don't slam into anything but out of nowhere the speeder slams to a halt Gastian looks ahead you see three people down the beach i'm assuming those are not friends of yours waiting for us no we don't know who they are 
Do you got any of the binoculars? Jaron pulls out a pair. Who are they? Ugh. Give them to me. I can tell if they're Imperials by the way they stand. Jaron is already looking through the binoculars and he turns back to you to say, Unless the Empire now employs crippled Bothans, I don't think they're Imperials. Does she have an overly long cybernetic arm? He looks again. Yes. Interesting. And Castian just kind of leans back in his seat waiting. Who is she? I don't know. Just a good guess, I suppose. What is your discipline? My discipline is three yellow. Oh, nice. (laughs) What? So he was going to try to intimidate you, and he just rolled in despair. (laughs) This is no time for your imperial jokes. Obviously, he's trying to be very intimidating when he says that, but you know, he has to like have one arm thrown around the back of the seat. So he's kind of looking at you in profile. It's terrible interrogation technique. Cassian rolls his eyes before shaking his head. She's an info chant for bounty hunters called a Kier. I do not know how she found me. I'm very curious about that. But since you see her waiting, she wants to talk. Then talk we shall. Jaron hops out of the speeder and he grabs your arm to drag you out as well. She might uh, not be so excited that you're taking one of her best bounty hunters. Well, then she can take it up with my superiors. Okay, so we're, we're just walking forward. Is the blonde woman staying back? Yes, she's staying with the speeder. Akir and two bounty hunters. You, you recognize them as kind of lower level Uh, more apprentice bounty hunters that she keeps around as security Mm -hmm. when her paranoia allows it. Right. You'd never caught the name of these two particular bounty hunter slash security officers for Akir. They are two Rodians, both of whom have had heavy cybernetic implants. Castian just keeps on walking before uh, mumbling under his breath. I do not think this is going to end well, rebel. And we just keep on walking until we're right in front of Akir. You're about 10 feet apart. Mm -hmm. And Jaron calls out to Akir. My friend says that you are a bounty hunter. Why are you standing in our way? Hello, Akir. I actually said you were an info chant. Uh, he doesn't listen so well. What brings you to Lamaren? Why, you do, of course, Jove. How did you follow me? She shakes her head, tisking. I have had a tracker in your ship since day one. Ah, well, if you're so worried about me, I'm glad you're here. Take out this rebel and we can leave you on our way. She gives a look to Jaron and nods her head. Seems like you, uh, keep some interesting friends here, Jove. And the way she keeps repeating your name clearly indicates she knows that not only... I obviously, very many people in her employ don't use their actual names, but you have a feeling that she might know another name that you go by. I was here visiting an old friend after a bounty went poorly. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Let's talk about how poorly your bounty went. It's not my fault the man decided to try to kill me. It was self-defense. Akira just shakes her head. Uh, Rebel, uh, did uh, his uh, bounty that goes south affect any uh, of your plans? Are you trying to 
bring him in for justice for the mighty alliance. <laughs> she can't hold back her amusement as giggles uh, erupt from her. Jaron shakes his head and gives you a look. No, whatever he did before we met here has nothing to do with us. Oh, good, then you won't mind if I take him off your hands. And her two guards step forward. I'm eyeing them. What do they have on them, weapons-wise? I'm looking for blasters, more specifically, any thermal detonators, anything like that. You have some destiny points here to spend. What would you like to have One, on them? Rodian has a thermal detonator on his belt. All right. Castian takes a, a step back as the two approach him, and... He's running his eyes over the Rodians before he lands right on top of a thermal detonator that the guy has pinned to his belt. I'm afraid, Infochant, I can't allow you to take this prisoner. He is being held by the Rebel Alliance. He has great information that we need. I do respect that he is a magnificent font of information, but I really must insist... And Castian, he's still watching them. Finally, after a second, he just lets out a sigh and says, Cortan Alves had security footage, didn't he? In his office. I always knew you were a smart one. And from that, you saw something you shouldn't have seen. Well, I should see a lot of things. It is my job to see many things. And when I see that one of my bounty hunters is using the Force, well... He stops being one of my bounty hunters, and he becomes a job. Akira, I have one question. Were you the only one who saw it? I don't know who on Alderaan may have seen it. So it's out there, on the Dark Harlownet. Footage. That's where you found it. No, no, I have contacts within Alderaan security who thought it would be interesting if I knew about what was happening. That's all I needed to know. And Castian looks towards the Rodian with the thermal detonator on his belt, and he's using the force to click down on the detonator button and then release it. Okay. So it probably beeps and everybody gets a chance to like run. Probably not that Rodian where it's clipped to. So I need you to give me a force roll. We'll make it a discipline check. Average difficulty. Uh, three successes, two advantages, and I need to spend a I need to flip a point. And spend a strain in order to use a light side point. But yes, I was able to activate the detonator. Spend two strain as a side effect of your continuing illness. You had two advantages? Two advantages, three successes. Do you want to activate the critical hit? Yes, I do. All right, roll me a d100. 40. 40. And this has a vicious of four, so we're adding an additional 40. Giving us a critical hit of 80 overpowered. The attacker may immediately attempt another free attack against you using the same pool as the original attack. So how this plays out is you using the force activate the thermal detonator and everybody immediately recognizes the rapid beeping that means a thermal detonator is about to go off. So the woman back in the speeder, she figures she's okay. She's out of short range. Jaron runs in one direction, Akir runs in another, the other Rodian goes off in a third direction. And I am force jumping towards the jungle. All right. And as it explodes, of course that poor Rodian that was carrying a thermal detonator on its belt, I don't think even Lala 
could save him now. <laughs> I'm going to give you a point of corruption because of how quickly it goes off. Anybody that can't force jump away is taking a heavy beating and you rolled an overpowered critical injury, which gives you the ability to make another free attack. Or if you don't wish to attack, this could just be you getting out of dodge. Oh yeah, I think that, that would be me landing with a roll as there's an explosion behind me, rolling straight to my feet, and I'm booking it as fast as I can towards where I remember we parked. Laris is still at the beach, hopefully. Uh, I need to get there, though, quickly because the rebels know where it's at. Yes, they do. And so I am running as fast as my legs can take me. You do know there is one rebel behind you with a most likely fully functioning speeder that you can't outrun. Maybe if I use the force, I can. So Castian is going to be using his enhanced power to book it through this jungle, jumping over logs, scampering over boulders, whatever he can to just make his way as fast as possible to where Laris is parked. All right, give me an athletics roll. It's going to be versus one red die, but give yourself a boost die because the speeder is not well-equipped for going over this sort of terrain. I got four successes. I'm going to use the dark side point uh, to make it five successes. All right. And you are able to make it to the howling Gundark ahead of the speeder and the pursuing rebels. I break out of the jungle, booking it as fast as I can. And I look down the beach and I spot the howling Gundark. Then I look down the opposite side of the beach. Do I see the speeder approaching? Yes. Castian starts running towards the howling Gundark with his hands bound in front of him. He's lost the jacket a while ago in the jungle, and he's yelling at the top of his lungs, Get the engines running! Get the engines running! Lower the ramp! Lower the ramp! Laris does apparently hear you, because you see the ramp begin to lower. But your shouting also means that the speeder definitely knows that you are there and the driver is going to get one shot off at you. What is your defense? Uh, one defense. The sand in front of you explodes as what's very obviously a heavy disruptor blast lands just in front of your feet. As with your defense, her roll ended up being a wash. Oh, really? Castian skids a little bit, jumps over the now forming glass, which was once previously sand, and keeps running until he's up the ramp. Close the ramp! Close the <laughs> ramp! And he's like stumbling through the halls, sweat dripping from every part of his body, his hair's a mess, his face looking drained. Sir, it appears that you did receive the medical attention that you required. Yes, I did, but then I found some rebels. But then I found a cure. By the way, we have a tracking device somewhere hidden on this vessel. That does make much sense. Yeah, well, I'm glad that that makes sense. We need to get out of here now. They found us. They found us. It is ill-advised to take off during this conjunction. Get us in the air now! And with that order, let's see how Laris's piloting does. And we're going to say that the conjunction is going to give two setback dice to anybody that is trying to pilot a ship. I love it. She manages to take off. She got one success and three threats. <laughs> you feel the howling Gundark lift off from the beach. The ramp makes its final clang as it clatters back into place. And the takeoff sequence is going perfectly. And then you hear something start to fizzle and short. And you smell smoke. 
there is a f- electrical fire breaking out within the Howling Gundark. <laughs> Boom, get over here. Get rid of these and I hold up the binder. A welding torch pops out from Bone's chassis, and instead of trying to lockpick or undo these in any formal way, he just slices through the center of the binders. Good. I'll take care of the fire. You get us in space and get us the hell out of here. I'll find the tracker as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, and Cassian's going to start heading towards wherever he smells smoke. He's trying to find that fire. Bone, you're with me. All right. Give me a perception roll. This is an easy roll, one difficulty, and give yourself a boost die as you can literally follow your nose. Yeah, I got one success, but one threat. You are able to follow your nose to where the fire is in the sensor array. Oh, delightful. This is exactly what we need. Bone, suppress it now. He has fire suppressant, I think. Yes, he does. He's able to. But there's definitely heavy damage done to your sensors. Trying to see anything other than what you can see directly out a window is going to be very difficult on the ship until there is a chance to repair it. I'm going to try to jury rig something to work for just a little while to just get us out of here. We're going to make it an average mechanics check, but I'm going to spend a dark side point and you need to upgrade one of those two purples so it's now a red and a purple. Okay, this is weird. Two failures. Mm-hmm. One advantage, one triumph. With a triumph and an advantage, but two failures, I'm going to say you're not able to fix the sensor array. But you find Akira's tracker. Ah, uh, you. I pull out the tracker, look at it, and just crunch it in my hand before tossing it to the side. Come along, Bone. And we are moving back towards Laris to help her in any way that we can. Back in the cockpit, Laris is about to break the atmosphere, going out into space. Sir, the planetary authorities have made several attempts to contact us. Nope, we don't need to contact them. We are just taking off. This is uh, officially our goodbye to Lamared. Also, the sensor array seems to be down. Yes, we're going to have to be eyeballing this entire thing. Unless you have an idea on how to get some limited sensors up. Laris turns to Bone. Bone goes and plugs himself into the ship. There is a reason to have an astromech droid. And as soon as he plugs in, Bone begins beeping an alarm. That doesn't sound good. I read over the monitor right in front of me of what Bone is actually saying. Two other ships. Coincidentally, we're taking off at the same time. That's not good. What class? Do we have an idea what they are? One is a consular class light assault cruiser, and the other is a patrol craft. The patrol craft you would recognize immediately most likely belongs to Akir. And if you would like to roll, yeah, Knowledge Warfare, you might figure out the something about the assault cruiser. Just an average difficulty for you. Uh, one success, uh, two threats. You know that the consular class ship is very often used by the rebels. You also know that it's a very old ship, that this type of ship was in use before the Clone Wars. So you might think that that would give you an advantage that, you know, the Howling Gundark is nothing nice to look at, but at least it was made within the last generation. We hope. That's what they said on the sticker, at least. Yes. Can we outrun them? It is possible we would outrun the assault cruiser, but the patrol craft is an extremely, well, crafty vessel, sir. They both want me, so let's give them a good target. They could fight each other. I doubt they're going to work together to get me. Get in space and then turn to face them. Yes, sir. So you uh, turn around. There's no sense trying to run from them. They're going to catch us at least. At least if we're all together, they'll fight each other for me. 
everybody knows this is going to be a situation that's going to end in violence. So we are all going to roll cool in order to make our initiative roll. I'll be manning the weapons. So Maris is just focusing on piloting right now. Yes. One success, two advantages. You go last. Understandable. The Howling Gundark does not live up to its name. Laris rolled four successes, just like the Rebels did, but Laris is effectively a PC for this campaign's purposes. So Laris gets to make her first check, and she is going to go into evasive maneuvers. Yes. Which is going to give you guys advantages to defense, but is going to make attacks one step more difficult. Totally fine. She knows exactly what we're going for here. And so the Rebels are going to take their shot. The Rebels take a shot at you. Get two successes and a triumph. As well as a threat, but two successes and a triumph is not going to go well for you. So I need the Howling Gundark to take seven points of strain. For the critical hit is means that one of your components has been hit. So I'm going to be nice and say that comms are knocked offline. Of course, communication beyond the ship was already so difficult because of the conjunction. But now even internal communications are down. All right. Akira is not happy that people are firing on her bounty, so she actually is going to take a shot at the Rebels. And you see that the light cruiser does take a little bit of damage. You see that Akira's patrol craft definitely hits the Rebel ship, does some light damage. However, it is important to note that Akira's shot does damage to their hit threshold in, uh, in game terms. The Rebels only fired on you to affect system strain. Which is a stun setting. Essentially, yes. Akira is trying to destroy them. And Castian's taking aim as he's talking with Laris. All right, I need you to get the on the other side of the patrol craft. Put the patrol craft in the middle so the Rebels, if they want to fire at us, have to fire through Akira. And he's going to take a shot at the patrol craft as the ship zoops in past them. All right. Now, because of the evasive maneuvers, your difficulty is upgraded. So it's now a purple and a red die. No successes. So your shot goes wild. Just nothing. No no threat, no advantage. We, I just fire blindly at them. All right. Then Laris is just going to continue piloting, continuing with her evasive maneuvers. That's perfect. Bone, I know you're rather busy right now, but we need you to start calculating any jump out of here. The conjunction is going to make that difficult. Bone, in fact, refuses to make a hyperspace jump as long as you're in the system. You might not have a choice. See what you can do. And the rebels take another shot at you because of Laris's piloting. You, They do have to shoot past Akir first, which makes it a much more difficult shot for them because they don't necessarily want to get on the bounty hunter's bad side. So they fail their role. They don't, they don't cause any damage, but they did position themselves favorably so that their next roll, they're going to get a boost die. And Akir is going to shoot right back at them, doing some moderate damage herself. Castian, back to you. Castian's about to aim at Akira's ship again, but then he just slams his fist against the controls and shouts, That's Dural Steel. There's no way we're going to punch through it. I got an idea. Just buy me time. And Castian's running back towards the escape pod. He opens it up and he turns around and he starts looking around at all the stuff that he's been acquiring his entire time as a bounty hunter. Every explosive he might have, every flammable liquid, anything that he can spare, and he's going to actually try to make an explosive. 
Let's make that a mechanics roll. It's an average difficulty that I'm going to upgrade to give you a, another destiny point. I'm also going to give you a setback die because you are jury rigging this. You're not only jury rigging an explosive, you're jury rigging it into a torpedo. One success. One success. Da, 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 da. Castian, he's just tapping away, like just pretty much using adhesive tape around everything. And he's just making one giant cluster bomb that he's going to be dragging towards the escape pod. And he's shouting as loud as he can, since you said internal communications are down. Get us as close to Akira's ship as possible and make sure the escape pod is aiming towards our craft. Give me a hard leadership role. This is mostly just to see if she's able to hear you in the distance and the chaos of battle. Two successes, but one threat. So yeah, I'm going to say that actually all of that is going to take you a total of two rounds. So the round that you just had, and you're going to miss your next turn. Great. As you are dragging the makeshift bomb towards the escape pod, you feel the ship bank and roll a couple of times as Laris is trying to do her evasive maneuvers and get in position. Please be careful of the banking. It's very explosive. He says as he's trying to keep it from slamming into the wall and detonating. This is one giant bomb waiting for the wrong bang against the wall to go off. Mm -hmm. And you actually feel that the deck plating is beginning to slide as Laris is taking a very tough turn. Your feet begin to slide on the deck plating. The bomb is almost slipping from your hands and you know this is going to be how you meet your maker if this is able to get past you. But then the ship suddenly jerks to a halt. Why are we stopping? Why are we stopping? Did I get the bomb inside the escape pod at this point? You're just outside of the escape pod, but even as you're demanding to know what happened, the back of your mind is putting it together that this is what a tractor beam feels like. Ah! Ian Castian's taking that last couple yards into the escape pod and putting the bomb there, and then he's running back towards the front of the ship. Which one grabbed us? Akir, sir. Are we angled towards them? Approximately. It's it's not as precise as, as we would like. All right. Sir. You realize that Laris is staring out the view screen. I follow her gaze. A fourth ship has entered the system. Is it like a bounty hunter or is it another rebel ship? No. The ship is an MRX BR pacifier. That sounds familiar. Oh no! Oh no, 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 no. That would be the type of ship that is issued to the Imperial Inquisition. My face immediately drops. Oh, great. Now they're all here. Ghost of life day, past, present, and future. We need to get out of here immediately. Excellent. All right. So we've got four ships in a dogfight. Castian is not amused, and he's in a tractor beam. So he's going to run back, and he's going to tell Laris to shout when he should take the shot. All right. Laris can try to make a piloting roll to break out of the tractor beam. Mm-hmm. Do you want her to do that? Oh, yeah. All right. And Laris does go first in the order, so... And Laris rolls a triumph and an advantage. So not only is she able to hit the accelerator and wrench the ship out of the the tractor beam, she does it without damaging any additional equipment and in fact makes the precise turn necessary to angle the escape pod. Now, which ship did you want it towards Akira, or did you want to angle it towards our new friend who is entering? It's probably Akira. This is for close range battle, and I don't want the pacifier anywhere near us. All right. Then she's going to be in position that when it's your turn, you will be able to make a roll for Mm -hmm. 
whether this insane plan works. Okay. All right, so the rebels are still firing on you. Ooh, now the rebels can shoot. Oh no. You feel another hit from the ion cannon of the rebels, and it's a direct hit to your shields. Your shields are going to start losing power. Okay. So our defense is going to be go now? Yes. Uh, so it, it's going to go down uh, by one for now. Zero in the front, and I got one in the aft. There you go. And then Akir fires on the rebels, uh, does, again, some light damage to them. It appears that the... For whatever faults the rebels' ship may have for being so old, it's a tank. So even though Akira is getting some direct hits on them, it's essentially scratching the paint. Uh, next to go is the pacifier, and they are just going. They're piloting in closer. Great, uh, and I'm t- and so it's my turn. Yes. Castian sees that we're in a perfect position. Steps out from the escape pod hatch, uh, closes it up, and he says. Here's your cut of the bounty, Akir, and he slams his hand against the uh, release hatch, firing the escape pod right at her ship. I feel like this is still a gunnery roll. Yep. Do I get a blue dice because of Laris's like, yes. she was perfectly aimed? I'm going to spend a point to increase that to a yellow. All right. And is it two purple? Yes. Three successes. Three successes. Yay. I'm going to say with three successes and an improvised bomb, you watch as the escape pod, I'm going to say your only escape pod. Oh, yeah. Launches out towards the patrol craft, just floating in the blackness of space for a couple of seconds. Just enough seconds that you begin to wonder if maybe you didn't actually set this up correctly until the escape pod is torn apart by an explosion. Looks like just in front of Akir's ship. So you didn't make direct contact, but with the exploding shrapnel of the improvised nature of the device, as well as the escape pod, you're sure that Akir is going to take some damage. And Castian uh, lets out a hoot and a holler, and he's running back to the cockpit and falling into the weapons uh, station seat. All right, he says as he's tapping away. Bone, we need to get out of here. What's the quickest way out of the system? Yes, I am very well aware of that. And the straight line is... Castian pauses as he squints, as he's getting kind of the gist of what Bone is suggesting. Laris? Yes, sir. Do we still have some shields? They are draining by the moment, sir. Oh, well, we might have enough to get through. Go through the conjunction. Between both planets. Sir, that is not an advised maneuver. There is no advised maneuvers right now. We have the Inquisition on our left, we have Akir on our right, and behind them is the friendly rebels wanting to interrogate us both. Let's not forget that we only had one escape pod, so right now, that is the only option. It's the craziest option, so hopefully people won't follow. Laying in a course now, sir. As Laris is laying in her course, I'm going to say that normally I would be giving her a setback die, but she does have a skill that means that setback die is removed from her piloting pool. So yeah, honestly, Castian can do nothing right here because going through the conjunction, like the two planets, basically what they're doing now is they're kind of trading rocks with each other or rocks are flying up and slamming into each other. It is very much an apocalyptic scenario between Mm -hmm. those two. It's like an asteroid field, but smaller and more contained. (laughs) With opposing gravimetric forces. Oh yeah, this is a terrible idea, but it's the best shot to get away from the Inquisition. All right. I'm going to say this is going to take a couple of rounds because you have to get there and then go through it as well. Mm -hmm. So 
a chase is now on. Luckily, Laris is first in the order. So Laris takes off, almost looks like, you know, cool guys don't look at explosions as the the remnants of your improvised explosion are still flaring in front of Akir's ship. So Laris takes off as fast as the little engines on your ship can take you, followed immediately by the rebels. Akir is out of the picture for the moment. And then, of course, the Imperial ship makes a hard turn in order to follow you. You know that Imperial protocol means that they are trying to hail you. But of course, your communications are down. Of course, if a ship does not respond to an Imperial hail, that means pew pew. You feel your ship shudder as two blaster cannon fire on each side of it, but don't make contact. Okay. They, they, they hit the shields that were still there and the shields were able to hold. Yes. Keep going. We're almost there. We're almost there. And as you are trying to be calm and uh, an authoritative calming presence here on your bridge when there's absolutely nothing you can do, you feel deep in your mind a foreign presence. Your ship is wanted by the Imperial Inquisitors. You will stop now. And of course, the voice that is invading your mind is the very familiar voice of the woman that antagonized you as you were growing up within the Inquisition. The woman that was always one step ahead of you, one promotion ahead of you. The Ninth Sister. Whether it's just luck of the force, or she needed time to work up to it, suddenly your vision is swapped out and instead of seeing the rapidly approaching planets in front of you, you now see the Ninth Sister in the cockpit of the Pacifier. I turn my head towards her and, and frown. You're in my ship. I am in your mind. I see that they didn't execute you for losing me. No. But I'm sure you paid for it. What happened to me is not the subject of conversation. You are to return with me to the Empire. I will never return to the Empire. I'm running. I'm getting away like I've done for the last year and a half. It's very liberating. I would suggest you try it. I am authorized to use lethal force. Of course you are, you're an Imperial! Lethal force is not how anyone on Coruscant wants this situation to end. Oh, like I'd be welcomed back. Like they'd throw a parade for me and welcome their wayward son. She looks perturbed. Actually, there is great concern for you. Great concern? Yes, I can see why. Apparently now that the rebels know that there's an Inquisitor who escaped, they want my secrets. And the fact that I've survived so long makes Tremaine look bad. Trust me, whatever your honeyed words are, I know how this ends. If I go home, I die. If you continue to run, you die out here, alone. I've always been alone. So casting right now, the best thing he's going to try to do. You said she's in piloting, right? Yes. He's going to try to distract her. Okay. Give them as much time as he can. Cassian says... Of course I'm alone. I've always been alone. You've always been alone. You do realize that. The Empire, what they offer is an illusion. A family, a fake mom, a fake dad, a mentor who cares about you. But as soon as you mess up, as soon as you need your parents to be there to help you, they discard you like forgotten waste. You're nothing to them. You are a tool, and at that, a tool that can be easily replaced. 
he's trying to read if he's like getting to her. Sure. Uh, this seems like it would be coercion. Your difficulty is merely average. Three successes, one threat. You've definitely rattled her. You reached some deep, dark secrets inside. However, because of your connection, she's able to channel this hurt and anger that she's feeling into a feedback loop. And it it's the feeling of microphone interference, that shriek of feedback happening deep within your soul, essentially. Take two strain. And your hand begins to throb. <sighs> Castian clenches his teeth in pain as he glares at her. Are you really going to follow me through the conjunction? Are you really going to die for the Empire? Are you really going to take that ship and catch me and win the reward and acclaim of Tremaine or Brandle? Do you want to know the truth about our little trip down to Coruscant? Brandle gave me another mission. I was to kill you because you were an embarrassment to him. But Tremaine wanted to keep that embarrassment alive, so he made me keep you alive. Why else would I have protected you? You asked that over and over again on Croissant. Why did I save you so many times? Was it because I was a good person? No, I was ordered to. Because you being around, you being alive in front of Brandel was the greatest embarrassment of all. He's just trying to lie now. All right. Give me deception. Still just average. I'm going to upgrade that. One success, one triumph, one advantage. Yeah, you're in her head. And this connection was obviously instituted by the Ninth Sister. She invaded your mind. She has been in control of this. But somehow, as you rattle her, you realize that you're now in control. And you cannot just speak to her. You cannot just see her. You're getting images of her memories. Nothing that you can make sense of immediately, but you're seeing flashes of a little girl wandering the streets, a little girl with a family, a little girl who has been welcomed and showered with gifts and then pushed out onto the street again. And you see the little girl grow older, repeating the cycle again and again and again and again until you see Brandel's face. And then the ninth sister closes down her mind as you hear her yell, shut up! And your vision clears. You see in front of you these rocks that you were talking about, this mini asteroid field, as Laris is entering the conjunction. Can I tell if the ninth sister is following us? Basically, I, I put doubt in her mind that is, am I worth dying for for the Empire? Yeah, she's just going to be taking uh, shots at you guys. And she's actually going to upgrade one of her dice. She's not able to to get a hit off, but you don't know whether it's because she's so angry she can't aim straight, if it has something to do with the the gravity distortion from the conjunction, or maybe Laris is just a really great pilot and you owe her a life day bonus because Laris enters the conjunction and none of those shots that the Ninth Sister fired hit you. The bone starts beeping. He's like, no, don't tell me the odds. Let's give Laris one last piloting roll. She made a piloting roll and she did very well on it while you guys were having your moment. Oh, this is not good. Laris has entered the conjunction and 
outside of the ship, you see the, the, the ship is essentially bathed in the northern lights as these two planets are so close together that their magnetic fields are affecting each other. And they're not just affecting each other, they're beginning to affect your ship. And Laris did not make this last piloting check, so she, had, as she entered the conjunction, it was very graceful, and she was avoiding these these rocks and boulders that are being exchanged by the intense gravity shifts. And then one hits the wing of the ship, and you begin to spiral a little bit. I'm going to use a destiny point to use it. That that can be used to kind of do something cool, right? It can be. I mean, I always get veto power, but yes, you can use a destiny point to influence the plot. We're spinning out, and Castian yes. starts feeling afraid. And in his hands, he almost doesn't realize that he's holding on to that crystal that Lala gave him. And then he just kind of feels a calming effect flow from that crystal into his hand with a clarity that he usually doesn't use. He usually powers the force with anger and hate and frustration. In his mind, there's kind of just only peace for a brief second. And he's holding out his hand and he's going to try to use the force to straighten out the ship to give Laris another shot. And so he's using the crystal and draining it of the the light side energy that the Mon Calamari put in it to empower this move. An option for how this could work mechanically, it can give you a second force point. Yeah. So you could roll two force die. Yeah. Three purple difficulty. One success, one triumph, and four light side points. All right. So you're definitely able to do it. Oh, wait, these are all light side. I don't know if I can use because I don't have destiny points. I'm going to say between rolling a triumph and having flipped a destiny point to activate this anyway, I'm going to let you do this without flipping destiny points, but you're taking the strain. Yeah. And since it's four, I would take eight strain pretty much. Yes. Because I'm doubling my strain. Yes. What does that take you down to? One. I have one strain left. This takes obviously a huge toll on you, Castian. As you are draining the force from the crystal that Lala gave you and just putting it back out there into the howling Gundark to keep you from spinning down, crashing into the planet, you feel, even as consciousness is beginning to evade your grasp, that the ship is still hitting some of these rocks. But it's straightening out. With Laris's help, the ship is still able to keep going forward. But you can feel not only the rocks hitting the ship, but it's like the rocks are hitting you. I deserve this. I deserve this. And Castian closes his eyes as tears start rolling down his cheeks. I made Laris do one last piloting roll. What'd you get? She got three successes. Yes. And a triumph. Yes! And four threats. Okay. The four threats are... Your ship is banged to hell, and Castian, for a moment you think that the world is once more frustratingly growing dark, as in front of you all you see is black. But it's the blackness of clear space. Laris has gotten you through the conjunction. Did anyone follow us? No, sir. Keep going. Uh, Bone, we get us, just get us out of here, just the quickest calculation you can find. Bone is going to report the primary hyperspace drive was taken out during the passage through the conjunction, but your backup is still operative. Get us somewhere safe, secluded, and where we can get a new primary hyperdrive. 
And Castian stands up and turns his head, and he's going to watch the conjunction, probably his last conjunction he'll ever see, probably the last time he'll ever see his home system, before Bone beeps and they go into hyperspace, leaving Castian without a home. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot Star Wars Force and Destiny. Please follow Solo Shot Podcast and Fandible on Twitter, and please share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fandible on iTunes or your Podchaser of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to make a donation to help keep our equipment up and running. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.